You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, we are talking a couple of trade notes. Uh, the Ben Simmons talk is beginning to crop back up again. We're going to talk, kind of unpack the latest on that front, as well as a couple other players that Timberwolves are rumored to be interested in. And uh, I also want to take a look at a couple of ESPN articles regarding what the Wolves could do in the future, what the offseason is setting up like for the Wolves, etc. And also kind of pick apart one of the trade ideas that ESPN threw out there. And then we'll close by previewing Wolves Grizzlies, which is coming up tonight, Thursday night. It's all upcoming on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy game day. The Timberwolves take on the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. The streaking Memphis Grizzlies, winners of 10 straight. We'll preview that game a little bit later on the show, but plenty to get to first. Uh, and I guess, first of all, off the top, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you like to listen. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. As mentioned, I, w- I do want to get to Wolves-Grizzlies. Uh, Timberwolves haven't seen the Grizzlies now in a, a really a couple of months. So I want to look at uh, what they've been up to, which if you paid attention to the NBA at all or just the sports world in general, you know that John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies are red-hot winners of 10 straight. But what's gone on since the last time the Wolves saw them? Remember, the Wolves beat them by, by like 37 the last time they saw them, led by as many as 45 What's happened between then and now? What does this Grizzlies team look like? And how do they match up with the Timberwolves? We'll get to that a little bit later. I want to start with some trade conversations. So we did this a little earlier this week based on uh, Shamstrani of The Athletic had some reporting related to the Ben Simmons trade market. There's a little bit more out there now. Not 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 too much groundbreaking. I don't want to I don't want to turn this into something that it's not. So, but I want to cover that. Also, a little bit of Miles Turner stuff, and then get into some ESPN articles that suggested some potential or a potential Timberwolves move that I think is absurd. So we'll get to all that here right off the top. Let's start with the Ben Simmons stuff. So uh, Sam Amick of uh, of uh, uh, the Athletic had a piece where he basically detailed the Ben Simmons trade market. A lot of it had to do with uh, the the Sixers being willing to include Tobias Harris in a deal the Atlanta Hawks and Sacramento Kings being two teams that are very interested. We mentioned them the other day. They were mentioned in the Sharania, the Shams report as teams interested. Of course, both teams that are worse than the Timberwolves. Remember of the like six teams that are constantly mentioned as potential suitors for Simmons, the Wolves are, have the best record. Um, and, and so for whatever that's worth now, of course, the Wolves are probably le- less willing to, uh, to take a major risk than some of those teams that could be a little bit more desperate. And indeed, uh, a little bit within that article, John Krasinski, of course, the uh, a colleague of Sam Almix at The Athletic, chimed in and talked about uh, the Timberwolves' ongoing dialogue with the Sixers 
And really what we've all known, and this this is actually piggybacking on a Brian Windhorst report that I didn't mention the other day, but Windhorst was on Darren Doogie Wolfson's podcast, the Scoop podcast in the Twin Cities, talked about the Timberwolves. And both Krasinski and Doogie have said that the Timberwolves have essentially offered every possible combination of players and assets that does not include Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Edwards in a potential deal for Simmons. It makes sense. I mean, this isn't this shouldn't be groundbreaking news. It really is just confirmation that, yes, D'Angelo Russell's on the table. Obviously, Jade McDaniel's on the table. Obviously, Malik Beasley's on the table. Um, I mean, at this point, you got to believe the Sixers are asking for one of Towns or Edwards plus another team-friendly rotation, team-friendly contract rotation player, maybe somebody with upside like McDaniel's. Maybe it's a Jared Vanderbilt. Um, and then I'm sure at least two or three picks. The tip, that's a non-starter for the Timberwolves. I mean, they're they're right now hovering around 500. They're getting better. Townsend Edwards have yet to play their best basketball individually, I, I believe, this year. And there's just no incentive to, to make, uh, really, I mean, you trade out one all-star caliber player for another, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The Obviously, the point is to accumulate as many of those guys as you can. And with the Wolves being a top 10, top 12, really, defense all season long, what does Simmons give you that you don't already have? Now, I'm not suggesting that adding Simmons wouldn't make the team better, but trading Towns to get Simmons would not make the team better. And trading Edwards to get Simmons might maybe make the team better today, but it won't make the team better tomorrow. And by that, I mean next year, the year after Edwards will be a better player, I, I believe, than Simmons has ever been. At the moment, Simmons is still a top, certainly top 25 NBA player. He's that good defensively, that good, that explosive in the open floor in transition. Edwards is not a top 25 player yet. However, he could be by as soon as next year if he keeps playing like he has really since he came back from the health and safety protocols list and for much of the second part of last season. So the, it's a non-starter to include Towns or Edwards. It just does not make sense. And it seems like, at least at this point, the Sixers have been able to say, nope, we're not interested, not interested, not interested. But uh, there's also one other note from Amik in this article. It says uh, that multiple rival executives believe that as long as the Wolves are in the running, for Simmons, they're not going to make any additional deals that could take them out of the mix. So the Wolves aren't going to trade any of their other assets. They're not going to go flip Jade McDaniels. So like, for instance, my next notes on Miles Turner, this report would indicate the Wolves, unless they think that they have no shot at Simmons, unless the Sixers say, you literally have no chance whatsoever, no matter what happens, no matter what trades, we don't get done, you know, what? regardless of how many irons are in the fire, if a trade doesn't get done, we're not trading with you if you don't trade Edwards or Towns. And if the Wolves say, we're never trading Edwards or Towns in a deal, then then that's it. Then the Wolves could turn their attention to a Miles Turner or, you know, less, much, much, much less likely, but like a John Collins or somebody like that. Uh, again, not likely. Demonis Sabonis, players like that that could fit the Wolves roster that wouldn't take a Towns or an Edwards to acquire. But at this stage, if the Wolves think they're in the running for Simmons, they're not going to go flip a Jaden McDaniels uh, or a Malik Beasley or certainly not a D'Angelo Russell for a player that isn't a star caliber player like a Ben Simmons. Um, so, and really, I mean, Miles Turner is very close to a star caliber player. I mean, you could argue he is a star um, and he would make a big difference on the Timberwolves, but the Wolves aren't going to take themselves out of the running for Simmons if they don't have to. So uh, that's uh, that's what... Uh, that's what Amik is saying. Um, all right. The other note that I had was related to Miles Turner. Um, and we talked a little bit more about Miles Turner on Tuesday. Um, the deal with Miles Turner is there hadn't been a concrete rumor that the Wolves were interested in a while. I believe there was one late in the offseason, maybe August, September ish. But now we've got another one. And, th and that's courtesy of Darren Wolfson, Doogie on his podcast. Again, the Scoop podcast. He talks about uh, in the most recent 
episode that the Timberwolves have talked to the Pacers about Miles Turner. There's not much else there. It's not a surprise. It's no secret. I've talked at length about how he's a fantastic fit next to Carl Anthony Towns. If the Wolves were ever able to land Miles Turner, it remains unlikely because the Pacers asking price is going to be high. They've disappointed this year. They disappointed a little bit last year. They've got some talent on that team, uh, but there's no incentive for them to take back like a Malik Beasley in a pick or even Beasley McDaniels in a pick or two. Like, it just why do that if you're the Pacers? Um, there just isn't a ton of upside there. I mean, you either keep him or you trade him for a larger haul, uh, unless the Wolves were willing to include an insane number of picks, which for a guy who's going to be a free agent after next season, that doesn't make a ton of sense either. So I, I don't know. Miles Turner is my favorite fit in terms of guys out there, and that includes Ben Simmons, because uh, I think Ben Simmons would be a great fit with D'Angelo Russell with the Wolves. If you trade Russell for Simmons, We've seen the Wolves' offense struggle this year. I think the offense has certainly been much worse than we expected. You swap out Russell for Simmons, now you've got bigger offensive issues, and I don't know that you solve as much defensively as you thought you were going to uh, in in the first place because the Wolves have actually been much better defensively than offensively. Miles Turner remains a fantastic fit with the Timberwolves. It's maybe a little bit less tantalizing because of how well Jared Vanderbilt has played, but make no mistake, Miles Turner would still be a fantastic fit with the Wolves and would allow the Wolves to go essentially three, you know, a Towns, Miles Turner, Jared Vanderbilt rotation with Nas Reed as your fourth big. That's a pretty good front court. Um, So I think whatever you got to do to get Miles Turner, you got to at least consider it, you know, short of trading one of your, your main guys. So not a lot there, uh, but, but important that the Timberwolves have indeed talked to the Pacers reportedly, according to Darren Wolfson. Okay. I want to talk about these other ESPN articles. There is actually one potential. This isn't a rumored trade. This is a suggested trade by ESPN's Bobby Marks, their front office insider, and I really hate it. I think it's a terrible trade idea. So I want to kind of pick that apart a little bit here in just a minute. First, though, before we do that, uh, let's actually let's talk about our friends over at uh, at, at Prize Picks. Timberwolves fans, you've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. Have you signed up yet for Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. If you have not checked it out yet, you're missing out. I'm telling you, you're going to love this app for NBA and mixed spots pickums. The Christmas Day games were amazing. Being able to watch basketball, football at the same time. And uh, we're going to get a little bit of that this weekend. NFL playoffs start Saturday. Or actually, I think Friday. Or no, Saturday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday night. You can do basketball and football at the same time. And I'll tell you how, tell you how you do that here in just a second. PrizePix has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. PrizePix offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players that only record a handful of minutes each game. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of, from points to assists, rebounds, three-pointers made, etc. All of the users that deposit and use the promo code NBA will receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's promo code NBA. All you do is pick two to five players and over-under on their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. The mixed sport entries I mentioned a minute ago. So like, for instance, this weekend uh, on Sunday when the Timberwolves play and there's NFL playoff games, you could pick Carl Anthony Towns over on points. And you could take, I don't know what the Sunday night game is, but call it the Buccaneers. Maybe it's Tom Brady over two and a half touchdowns or whatever that might be. You can mix sports, pick a player from each sport. It's a lot of fun when you're watching sports all day long. Uh, just simply use the award-winning app on both the App Store or Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It really is that easy. PrizePix is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Go to prizepix.com today. Use promo code NBA or go to your App Store and download the app. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. If you're not playing PrizePix, you honestly do not know what you're missing.
All right, let's talk about this other ESPN article. So there's actually a couple, uh, you know, as, as the ESPN and everybody starts to gear up for the trade deadline, there's going to be more of these articles. There's one over at ESPN. This is Bobby Marks, of course, the longtime New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets uh, member of the front office. He rose as high as assistant GM with them, and he's been with ESPN now for a few years. But he did a breakdown of every team's cap situation and what the front office is likely discussing. So there's one called Big Questions, Targets, uh, Potential Trade Targets, Draft Capital for Every NBA Team. Over at ESPN, it's an insider, an ESPN Plus, so you need a subscription. But basically, he breaks down the entire uh, Tim Wolves cap situation. So he has Anthony Edwards listed as an off-the-board player. Obviously, they're not going to trade Anthony Edwards. His contract is insanely affordable for what he is. Even as the number one pick, he's got Carl Anthony Towns listed as a value contract. Again, they're not trading Edwards. They're not trading Towns. He has a list of controllable contracts, Vanderbilt, McLaughlin, McDaniels, Balmaro. All those guys have multiple years on their deals. Um, In the case of Vanderbilt, it's actually only one additional year, a team option. And then he's got long-term salary, which is D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley, both of whom are, frankly, a little bit overpaid based on how they've played, certainly this year. And then a list of free agents in July. So expiring contracts, Torian Prince, Patrick Beverly, Josh Kogi, Jake Lehman, Nas Reed, who has a team option for next year, as does Jalen Noel, team option for next year. So both of those guys could still be back for another year based on their team options. He notes that the Timberwolves have all their future first-round picks. They've got a couple of extra second-rounders as well. They're a little under a million dollars below the luxury tax this season. And given their expiring deals, they could have up to $15 million in cap room next offseason. He talks about how the Wolves balance staying, how they will try and balance staying under the luxury tax, yet improve the roster. How aggressive should they be in trading their future first-round picks this year and beyond? And also, do they look into extending Patrick Beverly? Those are all fair questions. I actually think that this breakdown is super helpful, and Marks did a really good job with that. The other piece that he wrote, though, I was less of a fan of. Um, and that piece was actually had a suggested trade for the Timberwolves in it that I didn't like. So let's talk about that. Um, he it's, it's broken down like a what to watch. Again, this is an ESPN insider article. It's what to watch potential deals for all 30 teams. So to be fair, I mean, coming up with a trade for all 30 teams isn't easy. However, it means he had 29 other teams to pick from. There's a lot of options here. And yet, what he came up with isn't great. So he talks about the Wolves being in the in-between stage. He says the current roster has the ceiling of a playing team with nothing, with a playing team, but nothing more. And I guess here's where here's where I, I I started to struggle before I even got to the trade part. To say that the current Timberwolves roster has they has the ceiling of a playing team, but nothing more, is astonishingly astonishingly absurd. They're like what a game and a half out of not even being in the play-in. I mean, they're they're max two games behind the Mavericks for like the five spot. The idea that it, it's just insane. The ceiling, unless he doesn't understand what ceiling means, the ceiling of the Timberwolves is not a play-in team. The ceiling of the Timberwolves is probably what? The five seed this year? Um, but I mean, Townsend Edwards aren't going to get worse. I mean, D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley really can't get worse, at least in terms of their shooting numbers. So barring injury, a healthy Timberwolves roster, there's a ceiling that's much higher than six or seven in the West. Part of that's because the Western Conference is much worse overall top to bottom than I think anybody expected. I mean, the fact that we're looking at, you know, Memphis is almost a surefire three, four seed at this point. I mean, the West just isn't what we thought it would be. And I understand that that's part of it, but like, that's what we're talking about, right? Where the Timberwolves play in the Western conference. That's what matters. So that, that statement in and of itself is absolutely insane. Um, he talks about the, the tricky cap situation. He talks about controllable team friendly contracts like Vanderbilt and McDaniels. He talks about Gupta being new to the team. And then he says, trade we would like to see. 
I, I don't understand this. He has the Timberwolves. This is, again, not a rumor, but a trade that Bobby Marks thinks the Timberwolves could make. Terrence Ross from the Orlando Magic for Torian Prince, and not one, not two, not three second round, not one, not two, but three second round picks. So three second round picks plus Torian Prince for Terrence Ross from the Magic. Uh, this doesn't make sense for, I can think of at least three reasons. Uh, well, number one, let's start here. Terrence Ross isn't better than Torian Prince, at least not now. Um, he's, he's what, three years older than Torian Prince? Um, he has had a worse shooting year. He's slightly worse overall for his career from outside the arc. There's been seasons he's certainly been better than Torian Prince, but Ross has gotten worse and shot the ball worse progressively to the last four seasons. Torian Prince is not having a good year, so I, I understand that. But Terrence Ross isn't obviously better, at least not in this stage in his career. The second thing is, roster balance-wise, Terrence Ross is essentially a two that can also play the three. Torian Prince is a three that can play the four and a little bit of two. The Ross, the flexibility of Torian Prince, especially defensively, he can guard threes and fours and switch onto twos well enough in a pinch, whereas Ross is going to guard twos and threes and can't really help you at the four. And the Timberwolves have some twos. I mean, they start Patrick Beverly at the two for crying out loud, and still have, obviously, Anthony Edwards. They have Jalen Noel. Josh Okogie is a wing that they're going to want to keep in the rotation. I mean, you talk future, Balmaro is still on the roster. Um, D'Angelo Russell, if you're going to play him with Patrick Beverly, if you're going to play him even with Jordan McLaughlin, like all those are combinations that work. So I think taking a wing who's a three that can play the four and bringing in a two that can play the three does not help. Bringing in a smaller player who's a probably at this stage, a worse defender than Torian Prince, a smaller defender at least, makes no sense. Oh, and by the way, he's also got one additional year on his contract. And, I, and apparently Marks thinks that's a good thing. But do you really want to pay $11.5 million for Terrence Ross next year for, what is he going to be, 32? I think, if I'm not mistaken, 32-year-old Terrence Ross, $11.5 million, behind Anthony Edwards, behind, if they bring back Patrick Beverly, behind Jalen Noel. Uh, I, I'm sorry, he'll be 31 next year. So do you really want to pay $11.5 million for 31-year-old Terrence Ross to sit behind Anthony Edwards and whatever other two guards you have on the team? You don't want to do that. Oh, oh, and by the way, you also need to give up three second-round picks to do that. So let's give you the better player who fits our roster better and three second-round picks for the worse, more expensive, older player who doesn't fit the roster as well. It makes no sense. Um, I mean, maybe Terrence Ross five years ago, four years ago, I, I, that would be a fine trade. I mean... I also understand Torian Prince, again, not having a great year. He shot a career high 40% last year, but I'd rather have the guy who over the last three, four years has averaged 37% from three than the guy who's averaged 33% from three. I'd rather have the bigger player who with positional flexibility that can play the four in a small ball lineup than yet another two slash three, a wing player who can't actually shoot the ball that well from the, from the perimeter, a guy who relied really entirely on athleticism earlier in his career that that is now 30 and it will be 31 next year when I'm paying him 11 and a half million. I just don't get it. Uh, I don't understand the thought process there. I don't know why the Wolves would bother with that. Um, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, real quickly, I, I, this is interesting. So I want to hit it real, real quickly. There's another ESPN article shifting gears, I guess. No, no easy segue here. Um, ESPN also has an insider article about playoff contender teams. This is by Kirk Goldsberry, of course, fantastic analytically minded guy. Uh, everything he does is analytics based, um, for ESPN. He has tiers of contenders and playoff teams. So tier one is the six true contenders. It's the teams that you would expect. It's your Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee, Chicago, 
Phoenix, Memphis now in that list. He's got Dangerous Loomers, which is the Lakers, the Heat, solid playoff teams, which I still can't believe we're here, but the Cleveland Cavaliers, Utah Jazz. And then he's got it tier three, fighting to avoid the plant. This includes the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the 76ers, the Raptors, and your Minnesota Timberwolves in tier three. The thing that's interesting to me is that, and this is including their loss. Uh, they're currently ninth in the West, 2021. So it includes the loss on Tuesday. He's got them at at a 3% chance to win the title, not make the playoffs. <laughs> Obviously, 3% to make the playoffs would be very low at this point. 3% to win the title, according to their basketball power index. Basketball power index or the BPI is what you see if you go to like the team matchup or preview before the game. And it's got the little, uh, they do this actually for all their, they have a FPI for football and all that stuff. And it factors in a bunch of different things. And uh, it gives you the little uh, pie chart, essentially, with the percentage chance to win the win the game. So that is giving the Timberwolves a 3% chance to win the title. I mean, other teams in their tier that have a smaller chance, the Raptors are 1.6% chance. The Mavs, or the Mavs, I guess, are a little higher. The Nuggets are only a 3.6% chance to win the title. The Clippers are only 1.6% chance. But both the Nuggets and Clippers, according to uh, to the odds pulled from a different sports book, not our friends at betonline.ag, so... Uh, but from a different sports book at ESPN, plus 2,500 to win the title. The Timberwolves are plus 20,000. So, I mean, I'm not saying that the Timberwolves are going to win the title, but I'm saying that plus 20,000 for a team that apparently has a 3% chance to win the title, that's not the worst idea. I'm just saying. But fascinating to me that they have better title odds, according to ESPN's BPI, than the likes of the Raptors, the Clippers, almost the same as the Nuggets, by the way. The Nuggets are 3.6% 3.6% chance. The Timberwolves are 3.0% chance. Fascinating stuff over at ESPN. So go check that out. All right, let's close the show today by talking Timberwolves-Grizzlies uh, and this matchup that we haven't seen here in a little while. Before we do that, though, let's talk about our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs of the NFL, which starts this weekend and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and that means a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our special promo code LOCKEDON to get started with that 50% Welcome bonus on your first deposit. From football to basketball, hockey to boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, let's talk Timberwolves Grizzlies. Uh, so the first time the Wolves and Grizzlies face each other, this was way back in, I don't know, I think it was like the first or second week in November. And this was, again, the Timberwolves were down at halftime. You may remember they had a monster third quarter. They actually were up 11 headed to the fourth quarter uh, on the road in Memphis. And then Brandon Clark just like went off and the Timberwolves couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. The game goes to overtime. The Timberwolves got beat by seven in overtime by Memphis. Um, Brandon Clark off the bench had 20 points, nine rebounds. This was when, uh, I mean, Memphis at the time was, was fine, right? They were what six, I guess they were five and four coming into this game, but there was this thought that, Hey, maybe the, you know, Brandon Clark may be out of the rotation. There was talk of him being out of the rotation permanently for them. And maybe the Wolves could try and make a play for him. He's always been kind of an analytics darling, an awesome pick and roll big, both offensively and defensively. Somebody who would fit the Wolves really well next to Towns. He goes off for 29 off the bench in this game. John Morant's fantastic, 33-8 and 6, only three turnovers. And uh, the Timberwolves losing overtime. Despite 30 from Russell, 25 and 12 from Towns, 27 from Edwards. 
I mean, not really a bad game other than the fourth quarter collapse. So that was the first game. And then shortly thereafter, the Timberwolves faced the Grizzlies again, and they absolutely demolished them. Um, they beat him 138 to 95, which is what a 43 point win. They led by as many as 45 in this game. Uh, they dropped 40 in the first quarter. They're up 17 after one quarter. They were up 29 at halftime and won the game by 43. Uh, there wasn't really anything to write home about in this one for, for the Grizzlies. I mean, John Moran only played 27 minutes. Um, Steven Adams wasn't able to do anything in this game. Everybody that touched the ball, essentially, for the Timberwolves played well. Uh, D'Angelo Russell had 28, 21 for Towns, 23 for Anthony Edwards. He shot 8 of 10 from the field, 5 of 6 outside the arc. Malik Beasley hit four threes off the bench in this game, and the Timberwolves just completely destroyed the Memphis Grizzlies. That was uh, back in... Mid-November, the Grizzlies at the time were 8-8. Eight and eight. Right now, the Grizzlies have won 10 in a row. They're 29-14. and 14. Do the math, they're 21-6 and six since the last time the Timberwolves saw them and, again, have won 10 consecutive games. So uh, it's what's changed. I mean, not, not a ton in terms of their lineup. It's essentially the same team. I mean, the only difference, at least right now, in the lineup the Timberwolves will likely see Thursday, Stephen Adams has missed the last three games due to health and safety protocols, so there's a pretty good chance he doesn't play Thursday. But this is basically the same rotation uh, for the Grizzlies. They've continued to improve. Obviously, they've continued to grow. John Morant continues to get better and better, which is just a frightening thing. Um, and... Uh, I mean, and also, by the way, Stephen Adams has missed three straight games. Their head coach, Taylor Jenkins, has also missed three straight games with uh, health out because of health and safety protocols. And the Grizzlies just keep winning. They just don't seem to care. Um, and I mean, they these are impressive wins, too. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but their last three without Jenkins and without Stephen Adams, they beat the Clippers. I get it without Paul George. It's a decent win on the road. The Lakers, again, decent win. They won. They beat the Warriors. I know the Warriors are struggling, but still... These are all three teams that will very likely be in the playoffs in the Clippers, Lakers, and Warriors. Before that, they beat the Cavs on the road. They beat the Nets on the road. Um, they beat the Lakers again in there. They beat the Suns on the road. So out of these last 10, there's at least six that are against solid playoff teams. Um, I mean, the Grizzlies are, I, I don't, this seems ridiculous to say now, but they're obviously for real, right? I mean, they're really, really good. So how do they match up against the Timberwolves? Obviously, the Wolves played them tough each of the first two games, but the Grizzlies were a different team then. You could also argue so were the Timberwolves. Like the first game, Vanderbilt came off the bench, only played like 12, 14 minutes, something like that. Uh, he's got a bigger role now. He's going to he's going to, uh, he's going to give the Grizzlies everything he has. It's a different, Timberwolves have this weapon that they didn't have before, and that's just the minutes you can give to Jared Vanderbilt, um, and that, that matters. Uh, the reason why the Grizzlies are, one of the reasons why they're a really tough matchup for the Timberwolves, well, first of all, obviously John Morant. Um, I mean, the Timberwolves have, you know, if, if Patrick Beverly's able to play, I mean, he played on Tuesday, he's been questionable with the groin injury. If he plays, he's the obvious person to match up with John Morant. But first of all, it's hard for anybody to guard John Morant. Second of all, the Timberwolves have, have, uh, Beverly and they've got Josh Okogie. You don't want D'Angelo Russell guarding John Morant. I get that D'Lo's improved defensively, but you don't want him one-on-one -on -one against John Morant. Jade McDaniels is likely not going to be able to stay in front of him. Same with Jared Vanderbilt. So Okogie and Beverly are your best options. Secondly, the Grizzlies are easily the best offensive rebounding team in the league. 28.8% of missed shots on the offensive end of the floor are rebounded by the Grizzlies. That's nearly one in three missed shots the Grizzlies grabbed themselves, which is insane. The Timberwolves remain one of the league's worst teams on the defensive glass. They've improved a little bit there of late, uh, but they are still 
26th in defensive rebound rate. By the way, they were below 70% in terms of defensive rebound rate until just a couple of weeks ago. They're all the way up to 75%. I guess it was more like a month ago, but they're 26th still in the league. So the 26th, or another way to say that would be the fifth worst defensive rebounding team in the league against the best offensive rebounding team in the league. That was a little bit of my concern heading into the game against the Pelicans Tuesday, and it did end up being an issue. The Pelicans' second chance points, second chance opportunities, ended up hurting the Timberwolves. That's going to be a concern in this game, too. I mean, you're talking Brandon Clark, who's just a phenomenal offensive rebounder. If Steven Adams plays, obviously he's a big part of that. So if he doesn't, um, maybe that's a little bit less scary. But still, as a team, the Grizzlies are a good rebounding team, and that isn't great. The second thing is the Grizzlies don't turn the ball over very often. This is one of those you know, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object type on a, on a much smaller scale type of a thing, because the Wolves turn teams over at the highest rate in the league. The Grizzlies are sixth best in terms of turnover rate. They only turn the ball over on 11.6% of their possessions. Well, the Timberwolves create turnovers against or for their opponents um, on 15% of opponent possessions, which is still number one in the league. So can the Timberwolves force the Grizzlies to turn the ball over. I, that would be a concern of mine. So second chance points, can the Timberwolves generate turnovers against a team that's very careful with the ball like the Memphis Grizzlies? The last thing is that the Grizzlies are number one in the league in steals per game and blocks per game. Now their defensive turnover rate is also six, which is good. Uh, it's not quite to where the Timberwolves is, but they're still number one in steals. They're still number one in blocks. Um, and I mean, that that's a little bit scary for a Timberwolves team that's been somewhat careless with the ball. They got away with it against the Thunder, um, certainly in the first Oklahoma City game, a little bit in the Houston game. They were pretty sloppy, even though the turnover numbers weren't insane. On Tuesday against the Pelicans, they were sloppy. They were loose with the ball. D'Lo, especially early in the game, Anthony Edwards has had some of those issues, especially of late. And the Grizzlies will turn you over. I mean, they're going to get a steal. They're going to, um, they're going to, you know, wall up at the rim and get blocks. They do foul a little bit like the Timberwolves do. They're they're a little bit towards the bottom of the league in terms of defensive free throw rate. Um, they're also not a great shooting team. Um, I mean, they're what, uh, 27th in three-point attempt rate and 17th in three-point shooting percentage. Uh, overall, offensively, you know, they don't get to the line a ton. They just are really good at getting into the paint and scoring in the paint. And a lot of that is, is John Morant. A lot of it's the offensive rebounds and the second chance opportunities. It's really just a team that beats you up in the paint, and that can be a concern. If they get Carl Anthony Towns into foul trouble, uh, again, if Steven Adams doesn't play, that's a huge help for Minnesota. But um, that's another area where the Timberwolves have had some problems this year, and, and that's uh, something to keep an eye on. So not going to be easy against the Grizzlies on Thursday. At the same time, it's a team the Wolves have played tough twice, and especially if Steven Adams doesn't play, the Timberwolves should have a chance to upset the Grizzlies on Thursday in Memphis. So we'll have the post-game pod immediately following, of course, and that will post late Thursday. It'll be Friday's show. So be sure to tune in after the game for the post-game podcast. Thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere. That now includes YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you like to listen. You can also follow on Twitter at the show account at Lockdown T-Wolves and at my account at bbeacon with two Bs, two E's, C-K-E-N. That's all we have for you today. Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. As you make Lockdown Wolves your first listen, and we sure, certainly hope that you do, please consider making Lockdown Bets your second listen each and every day. Lockdown Bets is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. 
Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.